Well, it seems like we took kind of a summer vacation. It's been a while since I've done a, a podcast. Uh, Darren and I both get pretty busy during the summer months. And let's face it, the bulk of our activity is centered around deer hunting. And while Darren has a lot of competitive shooting going on, there's not a lot of deer hunting going on during the summer months. But I do want to get back into it because we're getting excited now for the end of summer. We have some trail cameras out getting some pictures and we're just generally getting excited for that time of year again. But before I get to, I think I'm going to talk about trail cameras here for a little bit. Not trying to give any advice, but I just thought I'd run down some of our experiences with trail cameras. But before I get into that, I do need to tell a story. After all, this is our hunting stories. Andrew, a buddy of mine from work, reminded me after the last podcast, when we covered our turkey hunts, that I had left out a major detail to that entire story, that entire weekend. So just to recap, Darren had come up for a couple days at the end of April, and I was going to join him. I was going to take Friday off from work, and then we'd have the weekend to hunt turkeys together. Well, Thursday night, I was getting ready to leave work, and I had an appointment to get to yet for work, and then I was going to go home for my day off turkey hunting with Darren. Well, I just left work, came out of the driveway, and got onto the highway there. I was just getting up to speed, and a hen turkey came up out of the ditch, and there was no way I was going to miss. I had oncoming traffic, I had people behind me, and there was just no reaction time. And she landed right in the middle of my windshield. Brand new work pickup, and it just shattered the windshield right out of the truck. And I was probably no more than 100 yards down the road away from work. So that was kind of... A sour start to our turkey weekend already. Uh, by that time, though, Darren had already tagged his turkey, and it was my turn um, up to bat, so to speak. But that was a, a little detail. I guess I was kind of sour on that still when we hunted and, and we told those stories on that last episode. But I, now, in retrospect, it's kind of funny that the turkey hunt started out with the turkeys kind of getting revenge on us there but what I wanted to talk about today real quick is just our experiences with trail cameras I I guess I've been up and down about using trail cameras on the farm over the years I actually started with trail cameras before I started hunting uh, I thought that was a, a neat way like when we were when I was just starting to be interested in hunting I guess and to dive into it that was really when trail cameras were taking their hold in the hunting world and they were starting to get featured like in magazines and in the hunting shows and that sort of thing and I thought that was pretty cool but at that time they were a little bit out of our budget. I bought the first trail camera we used and it was actually one of those film cameras I believe it was Tasco brand and I don't know that we ever even captured a picture of an animal on that uh, but a couple rolls of film through we kind of gave up on that. So that was the first time I gave up on trail cameras. And then a couple of years later or so, I remember taking a trip to Cabela's during high school as an FFA class. I guess that was what counted as a field trip. I think we went to see the Kansas Ag Hall of Fame there in Kansas City. And Cabela's was fairly new at that point. And so of course we spent the bulk of the day shopping through Cabela's. And I'd saved up enough money that I purchased a Moultrie uh, digital game camera. And those were the big bulky ones. They probably 
like eight inches across, 10 inches tall, four or five inches deep, huge batteries. And, uh, but it did record digital pictures on an SD card. And that actually worked really well for a number of years. And f oddly enough, such a bulky camera had such tiny little bungee straps. If you remember using those, the straps, you know, they really saved money on those. But anyway, it did work, and we put that on a CRP field. I think it did move around a couple spots, but the main location was on a CRP field, and, and we got some good results from that, and that prompted me to buy several other of the lesser grade, just the plain black Moultrie cameras, kind of sticking with that line. And we were putting out some piles of corn and some salt blocks and that sort of thing, and they were working really well. I can remember it was a little while in to using those. I don't know if I can pull up the pictures on my computer. I know one of them's in here, but so I might be able to get a date off of it. But it wasn't too long before we started getting some really good pictures. Just the quality of pictures was was uh, really good. And then I remember getting here it is one buck. So this picture was in 2007, so it would have been 2006 that we got some pictures of a really nice 10-point, and he had a kind of a deformed rack. One of his points was kind of twisted or bent, but he had a really nice frame. And I remember getting that card, and I don't remember how I was checking him, but somehow we had a card reader, and I looked at that card and the pictures on it and came across that buck, and I was so amazed by it and so excited. I remember dad was in the field, I think he was probably disking, getting ready to plant wheat or something like that near the house, and so I was about half a mile away, well, probably more than that, three quarters of a mile away from him, but I remember being so excited that I ran all the way back and tracked him down in the field and showed him those pictures. But we ended up getting a fair number of pictures of that deer that year, so that would have been in 2006, and then the following year, in 2007, we had a handful of pictures of him as well, and he carried a really nice 10-point frame with crab claw kind of points at the end of the beam, so it would have probably been a 12-point, and his tine length was really impressive. Uh, carried all the way through from the brow tines all the way to his G4s and, and long beams curling around, so he would have been a probably a four-year-old deer that year, and I believe he was taken that year. Rumors were that a neighbor to the north might have gotten that deer, but a giant deer nonetheless. If he made it another year or two, he would have really been something. But um, that year, I remember trying to set up, we didn't really know how to pattern deer, but I remember a couple times going out specifically trying to catch up with that deer, and I'd always be on the wrong end of the farm. We'd get pictures after the fact. I'd go check and find pictures that that I had messed up the set. He was there on the farm that night or whatever, and, but I was just at the wrong end. So that was a, an experience that kind of got us hooked on those cameras. So we had at that point probably three or four of those Moultrie cameras throughout the farm, and we were putting out a little corn and made a little homemade feed bunk. I remember watching some videos, and guys up in Canada were just running feed bunks full of corn and in the winter they'd get tons of deer pictures so we kind of did that for a little while until the raccoon pictures were piling up and that got kind of old so we stopped doing that but that was kind of the start of it 
And then I ended up giving up trail cameras altogether. That better Moultrie camera, our more expensive one, ended up getting stolen from that CRP field. And after that, I, I wanted to have cameras, but I knew I couldn't afford to have them be stolen. So I never replaced those. And as, as the other ones kind of faded out and, and seemed like they were not as functional over the years, I just phased them out. And, and I, I didn't buy any more cameras until recently. We did start using them on the farm again. I just wasn't purchasing them. Dad ended up finding some Bushnell cameras on closeout after Christmas time. And so he started buying those at a heavy discount. And some of those have been running for a lot of years consecutively, pretty much nonstop, and have been really good cameras for us. And so we ran those, uh, my goodness, it's probably been nearly 10 years now that we would have been running the Bushnell cameras. And at, with that, we kind of fine-tuned a lot of the spots that we find productive now sitting and actually hunting. We would find kind of the crossroads or we'd find areas that had a, a number of scrapes and those would be our primary locations for cameras. And then we'd have a couple that just floated throughout the farm. We'd lo relocate and check after a couple days and, and then recalibrate according to the pictures. Maybe we'd move the camera to get better information or, or what have you. So that's how we used them there for a number of years. And again, got some pretty good pictures of some really nice bucks. It, it was a typical story though. We'd see them usually toward the end of summer get good pictures and then it'd be questionable whether they would stick around the farm for the remainder of the year and allow us to hunt them but that's what we did with with dad's cameras there and I don't know how many we ran through but um, a fair number of them then here within the last I'd say four years we kind of got hooked on the cell camera deal uh, now we're up to I think four, we've actually, we own five of the tactic cams, which according to other hunters isn't a lot, but it, um, it's a significant number for us. And then we had a Spartan camera as well, and that worked really well until this past year. So those seem to, uh, seem to be kind of the ticket as far as getting up-to-date information and, and keeping us in the loop. It's nice to have the cell cameras because you get that on your phone every day. And when something's showing up, you get really excited and it helps pass the time. So that was the first camera I bought since the one was stolen from me those many years ago. And now we're kind of hooked on it. I have tossed around the idea of adding quite a few more cameras. So right now we are running a few of those Bushnell cameras as well as the Tacticams in the spots that we just don't have reception uh, cell reception for we will keep those bushnell cameras going at least when there's no animals in the pasture and then we'll go in and, and check those cards every couple weeks and i've tossed around the idea of adding quite a few more cameras last year kind of midweek during our deer week uh, middle uh, first part of november i was having trouble kind of locating the buck I wanted and I was just about ready to order a dozen of the you know whatever middle grade SD cameras I could get and scatter them around the farm just so this year we might have better information but I got to the point where 
the locations I supposed that I would put those cameras, I was 80%, 90% sure that the buck was in those locations. So I got to thinking, why would I spend the money and risk going into those areas if I'm that sure that the deer is already there? Those are areas I just need to stay away from and maybe let the cell cameras or maybe let my just experience sitting out in the trees and kind of scouting that way, let that speak for itself and and instead of disrupting everything with multiple cameras. So I backed off of that idea and I still think that's the right move. I don't think more cameras, while it would be fun, and I'm not writing it completely off because it pops into my mind more often than not, but I think that would be true that if I'm confident that the areas I'm thinking about are holding the bucks that we're after, there's no need to go in there with cameras just to maybe confirm that. Uh, we're pretty sure at this point what those areas are, and, and now we just need to lay off and figure out where, when, and where they're going to move through the areas we can ambush them on. And certainly, if we wanted to force the issue, I think it'd be better worth our effort to actually go in to hunt rather than to go in and check camera cards. I get terrible camera card checking anxiety. I hate going into the woods, especially late September, October, November, really through the season when things have kind of quieted down and I know the deer are very active. Uh, I hate going in and making any noise. We run lock boxes on our cameras now, of course, because of the theft issue and those clink and clank around and just snapping the boxes open, taking the card out, you're leaving your scent, you're there. So that gives me a ton of anxiety. There's been times when I've checked cameras and just been there at, I guess, the right time and the right place and have had younger bucks and does move right by just on their on their normal pattern and you just kind of have to stay still but um, you, you don't want to disrupt them so now I feel like maybe backing off of our of that extreme trail camera strategy might be more worth it um, one of the things that's come up here in recent months really this year it's, it's new uh, we're in Kansas, and Kansas actually has banned the use of trail cameras on public hunting grounds. So, of course, that doesn't affect us since we're hunting our private ground, but you got to wonder. Well, I think the argument there was maybe more hunter harassment and that sort of thing rather than wildlife harassment or, or care for the wildlife. So that probably wouldn't happen or be grounds for banning cameras on private land. But it's just good to exercise the other sets of skills that you can have. And, but that's the rundown on our trail cameras. I don't know that, what we'll do this year if we'll add any more. Last year, I think we added one. Um, the way we kind of balance that out, uh, I bought the first one and, caught, and kind of got the ball rolling on the cell camera deal. But Darren and I both hunt mom and dad's farm. And... So just to balance that out, I right away I shared the login with Darren and Dad and so they could see what's on the camera. But to kind of balance out everything, it's gotten to be that Darren buys the cameras and I carry the, the data plans for them. And that seems to work out pretty well. There, then there's some shared costs there and we can share the enjoyment of them. And 
Um, we've tried to get them into locations where we can just let them sit and we don't have to bother them. That seems to work really well. I think the downside for our farm is that not a lot of places have good cell reception. So we'll get a string of weeks maybe at a time where they go AWOL or one particular one. And that's happened here just recently. One of our better, more productive cameras had kind of lost signal and, and went away for a little while. Darren picked up a antenna that I can take down there when I have a chance and, and put that on that camera. It's just been that in the last couple of days since the antenna has been delivered to our house that we've actually got some pictures showing back up from that camera and some of the bucks that we'd want to chase are down in that area. So I don't really want to go down there and bump them out because I have that anxiety again that, uh, that I'll be messing things up. So they're definitely handy tools. One of the things that you would enjoy without having cameras is just being surprised by what's out there and that's probably going to be more the case this year because we don't have a lot of deer uh, showing up getting their picture taken last year we had five or six pretty nice bucks that we'd like to see during season and this year that's definitely not the case at least this far this summer but we are still excited because we know anything's possible and a lot of things can change and we're anxious for things to cool down and we'll probably have a, a fun season nonetheless. So that is our experience with trail cameras.